0: Chapter Three Part Two of Hilda Wade. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Hilda Wade, A Woman with Tenacity of Purpose by Grant Allen. Chapter Three Part Two travers and i moved over to the cot her hand scarcely indicated well uh, your daughter looks pretty comfortable this afternoon in spite of the little fuss travers began tentatively yes she is a bit tidy ye. the mother answered smoothing her soiled black gown grown green with long service she'll get on now please good. but you must did for her "'How did it all happen?' "'Travers asked in a jaunty tone to draw her out. "'Well, it was like this, sir, you see. "'My daughter, she's a liddy, as keeps herself to herself, as the saying is, "'and old sir ed up. "'She keeps up a proper pride, and minds her ousen, ere little uns. "'She ain't no gadabat, but she ave a tongue, she ave. The mother lowered her voice cautiously, lest the liddy should hear. "'I don't deny it that she have a tongue at times, though, through myself, have suffered from it. And when she do go on, Lord bless you, why, there ain't no stoppin' of her.' "'Oh, she has a tongue, has she?' Travis replied, surveying the case critically. "'Well, you know, she looks like it.' so she do sir so she do and joe is a man as wouldn't hurt a baby not when he's sober joe wouldn't but he'd been at that's where it is and he come home late a bit fresh through avin been at the friendly lead and me daughter yer see she up and give it to him My word she did give it to him and joe is a peaceable man when he ain't a bit fresh He's more like a friend to her than a husband you is but he lost his temper that time as you may say by reason of being fresh and he knocked her about a little and knocked her teeth out so he brought her to the hospital the injured woman raised herself up in bed with a vindictive scowl displaying as she did so the same way like curved back as in the other cases "'But we've sent him to the lock-up,' she continued, "'the skull giving way fast to a radiant joy of victory, "'as she contemplated her triumph. "'And what's more, I add the last word of him. "'And he'll get six months for this,' the neighbor says. "'And when he comes at again, my God, won't he catch it?' "'You look capable of punishing him for it,' I answered as I spoke i shuddered for i saw her expression was precisely the expression mrs legate's face had worn for a passing second when her husband accidentally trod on her dress as we left the dining room my witch moved away we followed well what do you say to it now she asked gliding among the beds with noiseless feet and ministering fingers say to it i answered that it is wonderful, wonderful, you have quite convinced me. "'You would think so,' Travers put in, if you had been in this ward as often as I have, and observed their faces. It's a dead certainty sooner or later that type of woman is cocksure to be assaulted. "'In a certain rank of life, perhaps,' I answered, still loth to believe it. "'But not surely in ours.' gentlemen do not knock down their wives and kick their teeth out my sibyl smiled no their class tells she admitted they take longer about it and suffer more provocation they curb their tempers but in the end one day they are goaded beyond endurance and then a convenient knife a rusty old sword a pair of scissors anything that comes handy like that dagger this morning, one wild blow, half unpremeditated, and uh, the thing is done. Twelve good men and true will find it willful murder. I felt really perturbed. But can we do nothing, I cried, to warn poor Hugo? Nothing, I fear, she answered. After all, character must work itself out in its interactions with character. He has married that woman, and he must take the consequences. Does not each of us in life suffer perforce the nemesis of his own temperament? Then uh, is there not also a type of men who assault their wives? That is the odd part of it, no. All kinds, good and bad, quick and slow, can be driven to it at last. The quick-tempered stab or kick the slow devise some deliberate means of ridding themselves of their burden but surely we might caution legate of his danger it is useless he would not believe us we cannot be at his elbow to hold back his hand when the bad moment comes nobody will be there as a matter of fact for women of this temperament born naggers in short since that's what it comes to when they are also ladies graceful and gracious as she is, never nag at all before outsiders. To the world they are bland. Everybody says, What charming talkers! They are angels abroad, devils at home, as the proverb puts it. Some night she will provoke him, when they are alone, till she has reached his utmost limit of endurance. And then, she drew one hand across her dove-like throat, "'It will be all finished.' "'You think so?' "'I'm sure of it. "'We human beings go straight like sheep to our natural destiny. "'But uh, that is fatalism.' "'No, not fatalism. "'Insight into temperament. "'Fatalists believe that your life is arranged for you beforehand from without. "'Willy-nilly, you must act so.' I only believe that in this jostling word your life is mostly determined by your own character, in its interaction with the characters of those who surround you. Temperament works itself out. It is your own acts and deeds that make up fate for you. For some months after this meeting neither Hilda Wade nor I saw anything more of the Legates. They left town for Scotland at the end of the season and when all the grouse had been duly slaughtered and all the salmon duly hooked they went on to leicestershire for the opening of fox-hunting so it was not till after christmas that they returned to campton hill meanwhile i had spoken to dr sebastian about miss wade and on my recommendation he had found her a vacancy at our hospital a most intelligent girl, cumberledge he remarked to me with a rare burst of approval for the professor was always critical after she had been at work for some weeks at st nathaniel's i am glad you introduced her here a nurse with brains is such a valuable accessory unless of course she takes to thinking but nurse wade never thinks she is a useful instrument "'does what she told, and carries out one's orders implicitly.' "'She knows enough to know when she doesn't know,' I answered, "'which is really the rarest kind of knowledge.' "'Unrecorded among young doctors,' the professor retorted with his sardonic smile. "'They think they understand the human body from top to toe, "'when, in reality, well, they might do the measles.' early in january i was invited again to lunch with the legates hilda wade was invited too the moment we entered the house we were both of us aware that some grim change had come over it legate met us in the hall in his old genial style it is true but still with a certain reserve a curious veiled timidity which we had not known in him big and good-humoured as he was With kindly eyes beneath the shaggy eyebrows, he seemed strangely subdued now. The boyish buoyancy had gone out of him. He spoke rather lower than was his natural key, and welcomed us warmly, though less effusively than of old. An irreproachable housemaid in a spotless cap ushered us into the transfigured drawing-room. Mrs. Legate in a pretty cloth dress, neatly tailor-made, rose to meet us beaming the vapid smile of the perfect hostess that impartial smile which falls like the rain from heaven on good and bad indifferently so charmed to see you again dr cumberledge she bubbled out with a cheerful air she was always cheerful mechanically cheerful from a sense of duty it is such a pleasure to meet dear hugo's old friends and miss wade too how delightful you look so well miss wade oh you're both at st nathaniel's now aren't you so you can come together what a privilege for you dr cumberledge to have such a clever assistant or rather fellow-worker it must be a great life yours miss wade such a sphere of usefulness if we can only feel we are doing good that is the main matter for my own part i like to be mixed up with every good work that's going on in my neighborhood i'm the soup kitchen you know and i'm visitor at the workhouse and i'm the dorker society and the mutual improvement class and the prevention of cruelty to animals and to children and I'm sure I don't know how much else. So that, what with all that, and what with dear Hugo and the darling children? She glanced affectionately at Maisie and Etty, who sat bolt upright, very mute and still, in their best and stiffest frocks, on two stools in the corner. I can hardly find time for my social duties. Oh, dear Mrs. Legate, one of her visitors said with effusion from beneath a nodding bonnet—she was the wife of a rural dean from Staffordshire—everybody's agreed that your social duties are performed to a marvel. They are the envy of Kensington. We all of us wonder, indeed, how one woman can find time for all of it. Our hostess looked pleased. Well, yes, she answered, gazing down at her fawn colored dress with a half-suppressed smile of self-satisfaction. I flatter myself I can get through about as much work in a day as anybody. Her eye wandered round her rooms with a modest air of placid self-approval, which was almost comic. Everything in them was as well kept and as well polished as good servants, thoroughly drilled, could make it. Not a stain or a speck anywhere. A miracle of neatness. Indeed, when I carelessly drew the Norwegian dagger from its scabbard, as we waited for lunch, and found that it stuck in the sheath, I almost started to discover that rust could intrude into that orderly household. I recollected then how Hilda Wade had pointed out to me during those six months at St. Nathaniel's that the women whose husbands assaulted them were almost always notable housewives, as they say in america good souls who prided themselves not a little on their skill in management they were capable practical mothers of families with a boundless belief in themselves a sincere desire to do their duty as far as they understood it and a habit of impressing their virtues upon others which was quite beyond all human endurance Placidity was their note, provoking placidity. I felt sure it must have been of a woman of this type that the famous phrase was coined, Elle a toutes les vertus et elle est insupportable. Clara dear, the husband said, shall we go in to lunch? You dear stupid boy, are we not all waiting for you to give your arm to Lady Maitland? the lunch was perfect and it was perfectly served the silver glowed the linen was marked with h c le g in a most artistic monogram i noticed that the table decorations were extremely pretty somebody complimented our hostess upon them mrs Legate nodded and smiled i arranged them dear hugo in his blundering way the big darling forgot to get me the orchids i had ordered so i had to make shift with what few things our own wee conservatory afforded still with a little taste and a little ingenuity she surveyed her handiwork with just pride and left the rest to our imaginations only you ought to explain clara Legate began in a depreciatory tone now you darling old bear we won't harp on that twice told tale again clara interrupted with a knowing smile point de rechauffe let us leave one another's misdeeds and one another's explanations for their proper sphere the family circle the orchids did not turn up that is the point and i managed to make shift with the plumbago and the geraniums maisie my sweet not that pudding if you please, too rich for you, darling? I know your digestive capacities better than you do. I have told you fifty times it doesn't agree with you a small slice of the other one. Yes, mamma, Macy answered with a cowed and cowering air. I felt sure she would have murmured Yes, mamma, in the self same tone if the second Mrs. Legate had ordered her to hang herself. I saw you in the park yesterday on your bicycle, Etty, Legate's sister, Mrs. Mallet, put in. But do you know, dear, I didn't think your jacket was half warm enough. Mamma doesn't like me to wear a warmer one, the child answered with a visible shudder of recollection, though I should love to, Aunt Lena. My precious Etty, what nonsense for a violent exercise like bicycling, where one gets so hot, so unbecomingly hot you'd be simply stifled darling i caught a darted glance which accompanied the words and which made Etty recoil into the recesses of her pudding but yesterday was so cold clara mrs mallet went on actually venturing to oppose the infallible authority a nipping morning and such a flimsy coat "'Might not the dear child be allowed to judge for herself "'in a matter purely of her own feelings?' "'Mrs. Legate, with just the shadow of a shrug, "'was all sweet reasonableness. "'She smiled more suavely than ever. "'Sure, Lilina,' she remonstrated in her frankest and most convincing tone, "'I must know best what is good for dear Etty, "'when I have been watching her daily for more than six months past. And taking the greatest pains to understand both her constitution and her disposition. She needs hardening, Etty does hardening. Don't you agree with me, Hugo? Legate shuffled uneasily in his chair. Big man as he was, with his great black beard and manly bearing, I could see he was afraid to differ from her overtly. Well, m- perhaps, Clara he began peering from under the shaggy eyebrows it would be best for a delicate child like etty mrs Legate smiled a compassionate smile ah i forgot she called sweetly dear hugo never can understand the upbringing of children it is a sense denied him we women know with a sage nod they were wild little savages when i took them in hand first weren't you maisie do you remember dear how you broke the looking-glass in the boudoir like an untamed young monkey talking of monkeys mr cotswold have you seen those delightful clever amusing french pictures at that place in suffolk street there's a man there a parisian i forget his honoured name le blanc or le noir or le brun or something but he's a most humorous artist and he paints monkeys and storks and all sorts of queer beasties almost as quaintly and expressively as you do mind i say almost for i never will allow that any frenchman could do anything quite so good quite so funnily mock human as your marabouts and professors What a charming hostess, Mrs. Legate makes," the painter observed to me after lunch. "Such tact, such discrimination, and what a devoted stepmother! She is one of the local secretaries of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children," I said dryly. "And charity begins at home," Hilda Wade added in a significant aside. We walked home together as far as Stanhope Gate our sense of doom oppressed us and yet i said turning to her as we left the doorstep i don't doubt mrs legate really believes she is a model stepmother of course she believes it my witch answered she has no more doubt about that than about anything else doubts are not in her line she does everything exactly as it ought to be done who should know if not she and therefore she is never afraid of criticism. Hardening, indeed, that poor, slender, tender, shrinking little Etty, a frail exotic, she would harden her into a skeleton if she had her way. Nothing's much harder than a skeleton, I suppose, except Mrs. Legate's manner of training one. I should be sorry to think I broke in. "'that that sweet little floating thistle down of a child I once knew "'was to be done to death by her.' "'Oh, as for that she will not be done to death,' Hilda answered in her confident way. "'Mrs. Legate won't live long enough.' "'I started. "'You think not?' "'I don't think. "'I'm sure of it. "'We are at the fifth act now. "'I watched Mr. Legate closely all through lunch, "'and I'm more confident than ever that the end is coming.' He is temporarily crushed but he is like steam in a boiler seething 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 one day she will sit on the safety valve and the explosion will come when it comes she raised aloft one quick hand in the air as if striking a dagger home good-bye to her for the next few months, I saw much of Legate, and the more I saw of him, the more I saw that my witch's prognosis was essentially correct. They never quarrelled, but Mrs. Legate, in her unobtrusive way, held a quiet hand of her husband, which became increasingly apparent. In the midst of her fancy work, those busy fingers were never idle, she kept her eyes well fixed on him now and again i saw him glance at his motherless girls with what looked like a tender protecting regret especially when clara had been most openly drilling them but he dared not interfere she was crushing their spirit as she was crushing their father's and all bear in mind for the best of motives she had their interest at heart she wanted to do what was right for them her manner to him and to them was always honey-sweet in all externals yet one could somehow feel it was the velvet glove that masked the iron hand not cruel not harsh even but severely irresistibly unflinchingly crushing my dear get your brown hat at once what's that going to rain i did not ask you my child for your opinion on the weather My own suffices. A headache? Oh, nonsense! Headaches are caused by want of exercise. Nothing so good for a touch of headache as a nice brisk walk in Kensington Gardens. Maisie, don't hold your sister's hand like that. It is imitation sympathy. You are aiding and abetting her in setting my wishes at naught. Now, no long faces. What I require is cheerful obedience.' a bland, autocratic martinet, smiling inexorable. Poor, pale Etty grew thinner and wanner under her law daily, while Maisie's temper, naturally docile, was being spoiled before one's eyes by persistent, needless thwarting. As spring came on, however, I began to hope that things were really mending. Le Gate looked brighter, Some of his own careless, happy-go-lucky self came back again at intervals. He told me once, with a wistful sigh, that he thought of sending the children to school in the country. It would be better for them, he said, and would take a little work off dear Clara's shoulders. For never, even to me, was he disloyal to Clara. I encouraged him in the idea. He went on to say that the great difficulty in the way was, "'Clara!' she was so conscientious. She thought it her duty to look after the children herself, and couldn't bear to delegate any part of that duty to others. Besides, she had such an excellent opinion of the Kensington High School. When I told Hilda Wade of this, she set her teeth together and answered at once, "'That settles it. The end is very near.' He will insist upon their going, to save them from that woman's ruthless kindness, and she will refuse to give up any part of what she calls her duty. He will reason with her. He will plead for his children. She will be adamant, not angry. It is never the way of the temperament to get angry, just calmly, sedately, and insupportably provoking. When she goes too far he will flare up at last, some taunt will rouse him the explosion will come and the children will go to their aunt Lena, whom they dote upon when all is said and done it is the poor man i pity you said uh, within twelve months that was a bow drawn at a venture it may be a little sooner it may be a little later but uh, next week or next month it is coming it is coming june smiled upon us once more and on the afternoon of the thirteenth the anniversary of our first lunch together at the legates i was up at my work in the accident ward at st nathaniel's well the ediths of june have come sister wade i said when i met her parodying caesar but not yet gone she answered and a profound sense of foreboding spread over her speaking face as she uttered the words her oracle disquieted me why i dined there last night i cried and all seemed exceptionally well the calm before the storm perhaps she murmured just at that moment i heard a boy crying in the street palm ere special edition shocking tragedy at the west end awful murder special globe pole mall extra special a weird tremor broke over me i walked down into the street and bought a paper there it stared me in the face on the middle page tragedy at campton hill well-known barrister murders his wife sensational details i looked closer and read it was as i feared the Legates. gates after i left their house the night before husband and wife must have quarrelled no doubt of the question of the children's schooling and at some provoking word as it seemed hugo must have snatched up a knife a little ornamental norwegian dagger the report said which happened to lie close by on the cabinet in the drawing-room and plunged it into his wife's heart the unhappy lady died instantaneously by all appearances and the dastardly crime was not discovered by the servants till eight o'clock this morning. Mr. Legate is missing. I rushed up with the news to Nurse Wade, who was at work in the accident ward. She turned pale, but bent over her patient, and said nothing. It is fearful to think, I groaned out at last, for us who know all that poor Legate will be hanged for it, "'Hanged for attempting to protect his children?' "'He will not be hanged,' my witch answered, "'with the same unquestioning confidence as ever. "'Why not?' I asked astonished once more at this bold prediction. She went on bandaging the arm of the patient whom she was attending. "'Because he will commit suicide,' she replied without moving a muscle. How do you know that? She stuck a steel safety pin with deft fingers into the roll of lint. When I have finished my day's work, she answered slowly, still continuing the bandage, I may perhaps find time to tell you. End of chapter 3, part 2, read by Lars Rolander.